base of the South Mountain in Frederick County, Maryland, lies the dark, damp caves and caverns that riddle the integrity of Delgren's Gap. Just west of the sleepy little mountain village of Middletown, an egg lies in wait. For over 20 years, it has incubated and fighting for the rest of the world. Its mother returned to the place of her birth to continue the call of her ancestors before her time on this plane came to an end. Finally, the wait is over. This fully grown monstrosity will bring terror and hell from its throne in the sky. Announcing its arrival with a screech that sends shivers down the spines of those that remember the horror from over 20 years ago. The creature spreads its limbs for the first time as it emerges from the prison which caused it to go mad. Wings, spanning nearly 30 feet, find it hard to spread fully in the cave, so it begins its ascent into the world. Its first view of the mountainside, that housed generations before it, brought hunger and bloodlust into its maddened mind. As it lifted into the air, propelled by thunderous bursts produced by its wings. Get ready, travelers, because the Stanley guests are back. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. Welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole, everybody. My name's Jeremy. I'm your host, of course, like I am 90% of the time. Today, we have a special guest, which is going to be really awesome, actually. Um, I like this new thing that we're doing now, where we find somebody that actually knows stuff about what we're talking about. And, you know, it brings a little bit of professionalism to the show, because we need that. We're not professionals at all. Speaking of unprofessionals, let's go ahead and bring Jake and Jeff in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> guys how are you guys doing tonight um doing pretty good how I are mean, you doing you know i'm fine i guess pretty good jake what about you man now that i've been horribly insulted um i'm doing awful thanks well you don't deserve it so take yep. it <laughs> that's it we really don't have a lot of uh stuff to introduce because you guys know these guys you guys know me as well but what, who you don't know who you may not know is our guest. She is the owner of the American Stanley Gaster Museum in Frederick County, Maryland. Her name is Sarah Cooper. Sarah, welcome to the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Hi, thank you for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. I hope so. It it will. I can guarantee you we're either (laughs) going to sound really awesome and you're going to be like, wow, these guys are great. Or it's going to be entertaining because we're going to sound like shit. One of the two. (laughs) Okay. Let's go for awesome then. We'll try. All right. <laughs> Real quick, before we jump into the story of the Snallygaster, which is the topic of the night, tell us a little bit about you and the American Snallygaster Museum. Okay. Um, so my name is Sarah Cooper. I live here in Frederick County, Maryland, and um, I am in my professional life a critical care nurse. I work in the emergency room. And uh, in my hobby slash hyperfixation life, uh, an amateur folklorist and cryptid enthusiast, 
Uh, and I have put together a collection of art, artifacts, newspaper articles, like pop culture references, games, you name it, all around our state cryptid, the Snallygaster. That's awesome. So if somebody wants to check out your museum, we'll, we'll start with online. Where, where can they go? So online, they can go to snallygastermuseum.com. Um, I'm most active on Instagram uh, at American Snallygaster Museum. We also have a Facebook page uh, if you just search Snallygaster Museum, but I, I'm not very good at Facebook. Um, so that's our, our online presence. We have a TikTok too, but I, I'm, listen, <laughs> I can't, I'm trying, I can't do it. It's too much. We're in the exact same boat. No worries. <laughs> we have this guy, uh, Jeff, who's actually one of our co-hosts. He's, sometimes he's an asshole, um, that said, hey, let me get control of your TikTok. And I was like, yeah, sure, go for it. And guess what? Hasn't done a single thing with it. Well, listen, in my defense, I already got banned twice from TikTok on my own account. I didn't want to do that to the infinite rabbit hole. So yeah, TikTok is very intimidating. Mm, I think he's just lazy, but that's just <laughs> they, don't, they don't like me, bro. I post one thing and they're like banned. It's because you're telling the truth, dude. They can't handle it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, real quick. I just, of course, I went to the American Stanley Gaster Museum website. And the first thing I like to do is check out merch. And I see that there's a link right at the top for Stanley Gaster Museum encrypted merch. Mm -hmm. I'll say you have some awesome stuff here. The, the, um, I'm going to definitely grab one of these official first run museum tees as well as the Star Cruiser Studios Stanley Gaster tee. That yeah, um, the Star Cruiser Studios one is my favorite. Uh, the uh, artist also did it um, in like a white on black design, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's Ooh. completely awesome. That's probably going to be the one I'm going to get. And then yeah. this, uh, before we started recording, we were talking about this Teddy Stanley Gaster one. I'm definitely going to put this over my mantle. Yeah, that's a great print. Did you see it? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's awesome. How awesome is that? <laughs> I'm definitely snagging one of these for the studio. Oh, awesome. they, you got big ones too, 24 by 36. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I have this a giant one in my house. It's it's pretty great. That's awesome. I think Jake would look really good in this baby Snallygaster onesie. I was going to get one for my new baby, but Jake would, would look also look it. very good. Yeah, Jake would look great in it. <laughs> I will I'll get it and I'll cram myself inside of it and put it on TikTok and get us banned. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll solve that problem right away. <laughs> yeah, um, that, the Baby Stalligaster one, that's by Conjure Dust Designs on Instagram. Um, my friend Danner, he does like these really cute cryptids. So I put that on all the baby stuff, and it's just, it's so precious. I can't stand it. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be precious when I smash my legs through the armholes. Oh, I heard. <laughs> like <that. a> <laughs> <laughs> so precious. <laughs> so, Sarah, I have to know what what brought you to start a museum on the Snallygaster? Um, so it's it's kind of it's kind of depressing. Whatever. So, um, when March 2020, when COVID hit and everything blew up and went to shit. Um, I was working in inner city Baltimore in the ER and I was in my third trimester of pregnancy. Oh, geez. So it was like really scary. We didn't have like enough PPE. Like it was really, really terrifying. And so I spent every day just like 
am I going to die? Like, like what's going to happen? Like watching all these people die. And it was like freaking me out. Um, you know, is the baby going to be okay? All that stuff. And I just got like, really, I decided like, I got to fixate on something else and started going really, really like, well, like your podcast down the rabbit hole of Snallygaster stuff. And, um, I got such a big collection going and I did all this research and I was like, I love like roadside attraction museums, like just weird out there stuff. And I visited um, almost every cryptid museum except for the big one in Maine. And I just really, really love what they're doing. And I was like, dude, I could do that. Like, I'm really good at researching. I can I can make this happen. And it just kind of went from there um, and became like my thing to get me through this like very dark time in in my career and in my life. And it kind of pulled me through. And it's been a really uh, big source of inspiration and happiness for me. Man, that's lucky. That's lucky that those places were open. <laughs> the end of that was really awesome to hear. I'm sorry that you had to go through all that. Uh, I've been to Baltimore. I know that's not a pretty place sometimes. Most times. <laughs> all, all the time. Baltimore is rough. But that's really cool. I'm, I'm really happy that you found something. And I'm happy that it had ended up being the Snally guest here because you yeah. made a, a really good guest for tonight. And it's been a great, uh, like being in the cryptid community and the cryptozoology community and meeting people like Asher, who you guys had on your show. It's been really cool to make friends with, you know, like-minded weirdos and get to hang out with them at events. And, you know, it's it's been really awesome couple years for me. Love weirdos. Yeah, They're absolutely. <laughs> That's why I'm friends with these guys. Certain types of weirdos. There's some weirdos that's like, mm. you were talking about it earlier. You're like, yeah, there's some people that I wouldn't get one within a hundred miles of me or something like that. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. I mean, I've I've gotten a few that are like, let me send you. Like, I was dumb, you know. I was like, oh, oh yeah, or like let me send you some Bigfoot footage that I got, and I was like, all right, dude, cool, bro. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> like. For the 20 seconds of bushes that you filmed, it was like every day at 11.11, and I'm calling this man out, so he already knows, uh, you know, texting me like, it's 11.11, make a wish. Bro, come on. I can't. Can you send me some of your hair? I'm making a doll. <laughs> I, I simply can't with you. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you won't have that problem from us. So <laughs> Good. That, good. Yeah. Well. Uh, we may be weird, but we're not creeps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do you think? Jump into some Snellygasser? That's a yes. Just go ahead and say yes, everybody. Oh, I don't know who we're talking. Yeah, oh, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Everybody, sure. open conversation. Yes. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start bringing her in then, okay? All right. A letter by a man from Castown, Ohio, appeared in the Middletown Valley Register February 12th 1909. The claim of the letter was that the man had witnessed a horrendous monster called a Snellygaster traveling east just after it was witnessed lifting a full-grown man off the ground, sucking his blood completely out of his body, and discarding the corpse as if it were a ragdoll. He wrote the letter to warn those east of Castown of the creature and its evils. Soon after the letter was printed in the register, people from Frederick and Washington counties, Maryland, as well as Shepherdstown, West Virginia, began reporting sightings of an enormous flying creature. The first person to give a description of the creature was a man by the name of James Harding. He described it as having enormous bat-like wings, a long, sharp beak, claws like steel, and one eye in the middle of its forehead. The creature was known to sound off with a blood-curdling screech. 
but the most noticeable feature was that it appeared to have tentacles trailing it as it flew, with some claiming that the tentacles were growing out of its mouth and others stating that they were attached to various other parts of its body, mostly the chin and the forehead. Everyone described it as being dragon-like, and that it was always looking for its next meal. As theories spread about the origins and nature of the creature, the Snallygaster became a warning to those who didn't obey the rules their parents and elders. For a span of just over two decades that witnessed little to no Snallygaster activity, the creature became the boogeyman of West Maryland. Parents would use the threat of the Snallygaster to ensure their children were inside and ready for supper by dark and to instill fear into those that still demanded guidance in their younger, more rebellious years. So Sarah, how bad did I fuck that up? That was actually perfect. You totally nailed it. Uh, really? Yeah, that was really good. That was a great summary of the of the first big flap of sightings. Ah, she said it. Jake, you hear it? She said flap, just like <laughs> Asher's. <laughs> We talked about flaps for like two hours with Asher's. It was yeah, great. I've uh, also talked about flaps with Asher's for <laughs> far too long at many events. So <laughs> oh, Asher's. I love her. Do you have anything to add to any anything there? Um. So, yeah. So the, the first big flap of Snallygaster sightings in 1909 are really interesting part of American history. Um. As you talked about, there was the the murder, uh, you know, that everyone said was the Snallygaster. Um, but there's some really interesting parts, and and I've I've really gone through a lot of these articles. And when you look at the the areas of town where the Snallygaster was, or some of the coded language that they use when talking about the Snallygaster. Um, there is a lot of um, of racist undertones uh, where people took this piece of folklore and they started to use it in a really negative way. Um, so they would use things like being carried away in the night or they would, it's kind of like how people have these racist dog whistles today, you know, Pepe the Frog and all that kind of stuff. They were doing this weird thing to try and intimidate um, black members of the community. And it led me down um, kind of a, a weird rabbit hole of um, lumberjack creatures and, and this intersection of, uh, of folklore and racism and people twisting these, these kind of cool stories to be something really negative and try to, you know, instill fear in, um, in people in their community. So I think it's really interesting that we have this really cool thing that was innocent to begin with, and then you kind of see it change throughout the news cycle to become something super negative. Um, and by the time we get to the 30s with the Snallygaster, you see a lot more of that. And um, it's very telling about who's writing the article, whether they're being silly and goofy and talking about this you know, funny piece of folklore, or they're trying to send a message to scare other people. Um, and it's something that I'm I'm researching pretty heavily, and I will eventually write something about. Um, but but that's it's kind of a, an icky part of the history of this cryptid. And I think that if we go into a lot of other cryptids, we'll find that there's some similar themes going on, especially from that time period. Yeah, I I do get into it a little bit more uh, later on, but that that's a very good point to bring up is that 
when you're listening to the stories of the Snallygasters to remember the time period that this happened. This was shortly after the Civil War, right? When the first uh, incarnations of, of the Snallygaster really started hitting the scene. So as you'll see later on in the night, we'll see how that kind of kind of evolves into what Sarah was talking about. And uh, we'll be able to get a little deeper into it then. Guys, do you guys have any questions for Sarah? Mm, not yet. Jen's <laughs> not going to have any questions because we're not talking about like tinfoil hat stuff today. This is probably true. I also have no questions. Uh, we'll get into some conspiracy once we get to the 30s. Don't you worry. There's some men in black associated with the Snallygaster that I would love to discuss. I, I like that kind of stuff for sure. Well, then let's get through all this boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> let's. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about the orange origins a little bit. <clears throat> and again, forgive me. I have a cough today. And you're always sick. Shut up, Jake. All right. Anyways, <laughs> the original stories of the Schnellergeist a German term that translates to quick spirit comes from the original German settlers who came to the mid-Atlantic Appalachian Mountains as far back as the 1730s. Although the first records of an unknown flying creature in the area was from Virginia, the Snallygaster soon found a more permanent home in Maryland. The original German legend tells of a creature that would be known for mischief, such as knocking trinkets off the mantle and creating unpleasant smells a description not really matching the new description of the blood-sucking and corpse-throwing relative of Western Maryland, but when the new Stanley Gaster first appeared with German settlers, the new mountain folk found themselves painting seven-pointed stars on the outwall of their barns to keep the so-called chicken-eaters away. It was clear that the Stanley Gaster of the New World was much different than the Schnellergeist of the Old. So you got anything to add there, sir? Oh, that's so awesome that you mentioned it. Um, I feel like I get through a lot of podcasts and then I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't talk about the barns. And then I, yeah, I'm glad that we've gotten there. So um, the seven pointed stars are one of the coolest pieces of Snallygaster history. And, and they do kind of go toward Pennsylvania Dutch folklore and hex magic, which is one of my favorite things ever. Um, but it's really neat because when you're driving out into um, the Maryland Pennsylvania border, you can actually see some of these still around, and it just it is so fantastic to see them um, and to learn about all the different hex stars because that was, you know, the Snallygaster ward, and there's fertility and peace and, and abundance and all these really cool um, different symbols that they use. But I think it's really neat that there was a symbol for a cryptid. Like, that's so cool to me, and that I can drive around and still see it uh, to this day. If you're ever in the area, definitely keep an eye out for it because uh, it's one of my favorite things and they're actually very beautiful. So you'd, you'd dig it. All right. Ready? Move on. <laughs> yeah, sure. Demons, Jake? Demons? Well, witchcraft. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Jeremy and Jake, if you guys remember, but we kind of went over that seven-pointed star when we did the uh, Georgia Guidestones episode a bit too. We mm -hmm. did. You're right. We went over a lot of stuff with seven. What did what did you bring up about the seven point star in that episode? Oh man, bro, I can't even remember. Come on, Jeff. He brings it up just to say, "Oh, I can't remember." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the file so I could look through the notes. Like we're gonna remember, I right? I don't know what to do with it. I was hoping you would because now I got to dig for it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he uh, 
can find it and we'll come back to it. No, I gave up. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you sure. just make something up though? Just like make something up for fun. So it's a star. It's got seven points, which is one more than six and one less than eight. One for each day of the week. Oh man, that's really deep. <laughs> There's Monday. If you didn't know, Tuesday. The the Tuesday point <laughs> is the one that faces up. So Ooh. Yeah. Oh yeah. You wouldn't know that unless, unless you knew the, the rich history behind the seven pointed star, but actually the <laughs> Tuesday is the one that's pointing up, not not Thursday, which was mostly recognized throughout the last hundred years, but they're completely wrong. Get it. We get it, we got it. <laughs> so good. That was brilliant. What a lot of people don't know is that you don't read a star like you read a clock. You have to start at the ten thirty position. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Did you learn I mean, that in the Navy? No, not at all. You could have lied to me and said yes. I would have believed. Yes, you. that's where <laughs> I was. That was Navy Pog training. Yeah, there he goes. Being a Navy Pog, Pog training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The second he said that he was at station, I was like, "There he goes, being a Pog again." <laughs> Says the other Pog. Yeah. What all does right. Pog mean? A uh, person other than Grunt. Yeah. All right. Am I even gonna? I don't understand. Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. It, there's a whole story behind it. But we have to dive into the Snelly <laughs> Fair enough. Story. All, right. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the beast by many names. The earliest articles mentioned of the creature may go back to 1902, where the Frederick News Post claims that the first written report of a monster was printed. But the exact source cannot be found, and although the Post claims that the first reports are from 1902, the Post itself did not write an article on the creature that year. But the earliest name for an unknown creature in the area, which many believed to be the Snallygaster, was called the Crosswise. Oh, fuck this up. Gascutus. Gascutus. We'll go with Gascutus. Crosswise Gascutus. This is a little funny because American folklore does mention a creature called the Gascutus, but the descriptions are very different. The traditional Gascutus goes back to 1840 and is said to be a creature with four legs, with two legs on one side longer than the two on the other. The reason for this is due to its need and nature to climb up steep hills and mountains in a sideways stride. So, I honestly don't know what to make of this one, but I found two sources that claim the Snallygaster was originally called Crosswise Gascutus, and that you can find reports earlier than 1909 if you look for this name instead. But uh, you're blowing my mind. I didn't know that. How do you spell that? You're, I'm like amazed. G Y A S C U T U S. All right, cool. And look into this. So there's different types of uh, gascutuses. The Snallygaster was considered one of the crosswise ones. Interesting. Would it be gascutai. <laughs> <laughs> so, over the years, the Snallygaster would go by many names. When the German settlers came down from Pennsylvania, their superstitions mended with the accents of the locals, and the name transformed over time from the original Snellergeist to Snallygaster, and then finally to the Snallygaster that we are familiar with today. Although some newspapers attempted to create their own names for the creature that never stuck, some of these names were the Go Devil, the Volt. Bovolupus, Octolupus, and Gigantolotus. 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 
whatever. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I love I give all the old timey names. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Sarah, do you have anything to add to the Beast of Many Names section? Um, I well, I'm amazed because I did not know about the what's the gas cutis. That's like kind of blowing my mind. Um, because uh, when I'm looking at it, the first thing that was even close to a Snallygaster um, in like print was from this uh, book from the 1800s called South Mountain Magic, and it's not even close, really. It's like a a group of snakes that are like stuck together and then like slither into a cave. But the description and the coloring and everything is kind of like close. Um, um, for for those a little that are for those <laughs> that are young, uh, plug your ears, earmuffs, everybody. A ball of snakes is actually an orgy. Yep. Just so you know, they're doing the thing. Wait, is that like a term? <laughs> like how a bunch of crows are a murder, or are they literally no, like a bunch no, of no, like, that's how they mate. They get you can, big balls. They literally Shut just up. make a ball of snakes. Slam yeah. together. Did you guys learn that in the Navy, too? <laughs> I mean, that's just common knowledge for people that study seven-point stars. I mean... Is that how they make more sailors? <laughs> Listen, Sarah. I fucking knew it. <laughs> a big old pog ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be a t-shirt i'm writing that down <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh my god i need another bottle of water <laughs> sorry <laughs> jeez uh <clears throat> i was always told that we just came out of davy jones locker i didn't know that it was like that i yeah, was told that i was a piece of shit <laughs> literally thought i'd just fall out fell out of someone's asshole well yeah after you guys were done done pug balling yeah yeah when you're done pug balling that's the only thing to do oh i'm gonna start fantastic. using that as a term and look people <laughs> like they're stupid if they don't know what that means i'm gonna be like really one of you make a parody song to free fallen by tom petty but pog balling please <laughs> I literally need that in my life. It's going to literally be our first TikTok. <laughs> <Don't worry about laughs> it. You're you're a good guest. You're fun. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone so far off the rails. <laughs> well, since we're already off the rails, I don't know why, but when you first said the beast of many names, the first thing I thought of that just sprang into my head that took me back was uh monty python monty python's quest for the holy grail and it was the great black beast of awe and i had to look it up and and silently watch the uh watch the clip on youtube oh my god yeah that's it great (laughs) i'm happy that we're all focused on on the subject tonight thanks guys yeah (laughs) all right let's move along because because this is this is going quick this is good hog balls (laughs) i can't wait Pogball and his Patreon only. Just let him know. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about... <laughs> let's, let's... <laughs> I don't want to edit this it's one. It's a flap of Pogballs. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> let's all compose ourselves. Yeah, Jeremy. Have right. drink some water. <clears throat> no, I have to get up and get a bottle of water. I'll do that during the next stupid thing we say. The first noticeable sighting came by a man named George Jacobs, who claimed to not only have spotted the creature while out hunting, but also that he had taken a shot at it. To his amazement, the bully simply ricocheted off 
To his amazement, the bullet simply ricocheted off the skin of the Snallygaster. The attempt at killing the creature did not fare well with it, as it then turned to chase Jacobs with attempts at biting at his neck. Also in 1909, the strange story of the Snallygaster's assault on a train station became well known. Ed Brown was a railway worker in Emmitsburg who was attacked by the creature as it swooped down and grabbed Ed by his suspenders. Another man working that day jumped and grabbed Mr. Brown by his leg, and the suspenders snapped, ultimately saving Ed Brown's life. But of course this encounter wouldn't end that easily. As the Snallygaster dove back down to once again grab at Ed, another man jumped in, and the three together did their best to fight off the creature. Witnesses to the event claimed that the scuffle with old Snally lasted for almost an hour. Towards the latter half of the attack, yet another man branded a pistol and began shooting at the flying monstrosity. It was at this point that one of the creature's abilities were discovered, as it began to blow fire out of its nostrils. After this event, the famous Snallygaster of Western Maryland would not be seen for another 23 years. All right, Sarah, here's your chance. Okay, I call bullshit. I need everyone to know that this is this story is bullshit. Um, you've heard it before, right? I've heard it before. And, well, first of all, Ed was naked because the Snallygaster ripped his clothes off. <laughs> so I just want everyone mm. to know that. For your, you know. And then the other ones jumped in for some competitive tickets. Yeah, yeah. So I think <laughs> something else was going on at the Emmitsburg train station, and I'm not judging or anything, but like you guys did not fight off a fire breathing dragon. I think they fought off a one eyed dragon of some kind, but it was not a Snallygaster. Then somebody walked in on them and they were like, oh no, it was, it was a. Uh, uh, it was a Snallygaster. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we were doing a fog ball. <laughs> <laughs> they're all just grabbing at it dirty mike and the boys with their stoop kitchen and they got caught in the middle of it <laughs> yeah it does seem like a ridiculous i don't know why they're doing that out in carroll county but you know what it's fine we love them anyway yeah that story is totally ridiculous and it's the only account that i saw where the snallygaster was breathing fire um it just seems a little ridiculous to me like for so many reasons but yeah no it's That's definitely got some pass. red flags. Yeah. Hardcore red flags. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll just move along then. Sound good? Yeah, I'm not going to give these people any more attention. Good. Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> I'm going to make a diorama of it, though, with a naked man um, for, like, the adults-only section of the museum. Perfect. I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be up there. We're going to well, come you up. Well, you guys are going to model for it. Well, okay, so oh, you guys can in, pick in the, the uh, baby whoa, 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 in the baby Snallygaster onesie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, no, that's a TikTok. Ew. <laughs> that's not for my museum. This is a, this is a professional uh, diorama that uh, I'm making. Thank uh, yes, you very yeah. much. Yeah, be careful what you ask for with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Snallygaster became so famous that the Smithsonian, Jeff loves that name, requested a specimen. The military sent in men to deal with the creature. Teddy Roosevelt himself hoped to hunt one for a trophy. And National Geographic was said to be mounting an expedition to capture a photo of the now famous creature of the sky. The local newspapers told of one man who even claimed to witness the creature speaking, in which it said, 
and quote, Bye. I'm dry. I haven't had a good drink since I was killed in the Battle of Chickamauga. This, of course, led many to believe that the creature was a reincarnation of a soldier that died in the Civil War. Man, they believe that crap? Absolutely, they ate it all up. Oh, man, they must have been bored. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were really bored. But that, that story, well, I think you read it in way too dignified of a voice. <laughs> because I, I hear it and like, oh, I have another good drink. Like, it sounds really dumb to me. Louisiana is my kin's blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a bad story. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the day I, my throat is so raw <laughs> shut up Jake Pogbone Pogbone that's right his favorite pastime <laughs> I won't deny it anyways let's talk about JD if you are familiar with our two part episodes on the history of the Jersey Devil then you know that we mentioned the Snallygaster in that series. In January of 1909, the Jersey Devil went on a rampage that resulted in schools and mills closing down due to how many sightings and attacks that were being reported. After this, sightings and attacks by J.D. all but ceased. So, is it any coincidence that when the week of terror on the border of New Jersey and Pennsylvania ended, and a short time later, the Snallygaster pops up heavily in Western Maryland. Could the Snallygaster and the Jersey Devil be one and the same? But there are more similarities than just that between old JD and Snally. Similar physical structures are found between the Snallygaster and the Jersey Devil as well. Physical features such as occasionally being seen standing bipedally, bat-like wings, a blood-curdling scream, long skinny legs, and a whip-like tail. But the similarities don't stop there. The Snallygaster is said to have been seen for the first time in 1735, the same year as the birth of the Leeds Devil. The Native American tribe known as the Lenape once populated the Delaware River area. According to the Lenape website, they claim to have been in that area thousands of years before the arrival of the New World explorers. The Delaware River is what stands as the border between the states of New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and most of the border between the states of Delaware and New Jersey. The Lenape referred to this massive river as Papa Wessing, which translates to the place of dragons. Attached to the Delaware River, on the Pennsylvania side of Philadelphia, is a tributary known as Pequassing Creek, only about 200 miles away from Frederick County, Maryland is yet another name referring to dragons. The Lenape tribe told stories and had legends of forest spirits that were told to the Quaker people of West Jersey. They would hold ceremonies honoring their forest god known as Emesink. They described this deity as deer-like with wings of hide. At the time of the Quaker arrival, the Lenape did not have a concept of a devil or Satan but they did believe that good and bad spirits existed in the world. Are these hints to a much older version of the Jersey Devil legend than what most people are familiar with? Do the natives have a reason for referring to these places by these names? And of course, 
could this be additional proof that the Jersey Devil and the Snallygaster might be the same thing? And could this be the origin of both the legends? And of course, for more info on the Jersey Devil, please check out our one-year anniversary special. And back-to-back episodes titled Jersey Devil 1, The Story, and Jersey Devil 2, Encounters. Sarah. I'm so excited that you brought this up. Um, this is one of my favorite theories. Um, the Going back to Native folklore and kind of seeing where these creatures originated is really interesting. And then kind of trying to figure out where that um, mashed up with immigrants and colonizers who came over here. Um, there's another one called the Piazza Bird uh, that's from uh, Mississippi into Illinois that's a very similar kind of creature. Um, and I love to think that there were these, you know, dragon-like beasts flying around in the United States at some point before it was, you know, the United States. And I'm actually um, giving a talk on this exact topic at the Jersey Devil Fable Fest in May. Nice. Uh, so I'm super stoked to bust that out because it's one of my favorite theories. That's awesome. Um, and I also love that school was canceled because of Jersey Devil attacks, and I wish it would happen again. <laughs> well, the Piazza Bird is the one that I brought up during the Thunderbird. That was yes. the one that was painted on the uh, the cave wall and stuff, or on the, mm-hmm. the wall of the yeah, uh, I was gonna. I thought that sounded thing. familiar, but now yeah. that. Yeah. Which, nice. looking at the pictures now of the painting... Um, or the recreation of the painting, rather, because it's been destroyed. It mm-hmm. would certainly have some features that are similar. And on this on this show, Sarah, we put a lot of weight into Native American lore. Granted, you know, every culture on Earth at one point had their own form of mythology. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the reality of certain animals or beings or whatever, uh, you know, who would better know what was there than the people that lived outside and survived outside 24-7, 365, right? So there is a there is a line right there of, you know, where uh, what was mythology, what was real, we kind of put bigfoot into both of those categories depending there you go there's there's the bigfoot drop for the, the, <laughs> the episode but we put it into kind of both those categories because there's certain certainly a lot of mythology around that um though it certainly could be real although not verified by science yet uh in a body recovery or whatever but i like how you jeremy you said that the river was named um named- blessing i believe yeah, what was the translation? The Place of Dragons. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So I like that. I think that that's pretty cool. I mean, I personally believe that at some point humans and dinosaurs lived together. Um, due if to... you believe that dinosaurs ever existed. Wow. Well, Jeff. yeah. Jeff hasn't come and blown our minds yet. That was supposed to be two weeks ago. And well, you dragons know. existed, in my opinion. Dinosaurs, I don't know about all. How that. could you say that dragons existed, but <laughs> dinosaurs didn't? We'll get into it when the time comes, my <sighs> friend. Don't you worry. Well, listen. Having gone to a very uh, enriching public school uh, education in Texas, I'm going to let you guys know that dragons definitely did exist, but that the devil put dinosaur bones on the earth to trick us. Could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, That's fact. 
I would the history say history teacher slash gym coach would never lie. <laughs> I know about that, definitely. Um, <laughs> but uh I mean dragons are biblical <laughs> thousands and thousands of years ago. I mean that's the best translation that could get pulled out was the word dragon a whole bunch of times. So I don't know. Maybe. Um but yeah, I mean I, I like that. I like that there's it's not just uh because the Germans coming over and bringing all their crazy fairy tales that they had, uh, which I still meet people today that have no idea that all the Disney movies are based off of like German folklore and fairy tales, and they're super dark, yeah, you know, very and, and, and pretty crazy. So the fact that they came over here and they had their version of the Snallygaster and their stories about it, I mean, doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But I was tickled to hear that there was uh, native folklore around it. Because that, to me, puts more weight into this thing being based off of a real something versus just, okay, yeah, so these people that were really dang good at making up stories to scare the crap out of their kids had another story to scare the crap out of their kids. Great. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. So that's pretty cool. I, I enjoy that thoroughly. And if you go with the native lore, too, you do get the, because um, this Nallygaster has the Dwayo or Dwayo, however you'd like to say it, um, you know, nemesis situation, and that's a dog man. And there are I don't know if you guys have done dogmen, but there's like a lot of uh, ties between dogmen and native burial sites. So I find that kind of interesting as well, that it, it also plays into the that part of the mythology. But no, that's some really cool stuff. I, I, I also like when the native lore ties in. It, it adds that depth to it and that more believable depth that if they were talking about it way back then, and we're still talking about it now, well, maybe there is something there. No, I, I'm totally on board with that. Hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In 1932, the Snallygaster was back and sightings were popping up all over the country. Well-known explorer, author, and radio journalist Lowell Thomas was even reporting on the creature and the many sightings. Due to the gap in time between the flaps of the creature, many believed that the ones that were showing up in 32 were the offspring of the one from 1909, and the attack on the train station in Emmitsburg may have spelled the end for the OG Snally. Some even came up with the idea that there may have been a nest somewhere hidden in South Mountain that protected the eggs for a lengthy 23-year incubation period. Yes, 23 years does seem kind of silly. So did this creature really come from the brood of the original, 
Well, there was one major difference with this creature. It seemed to be able to change colors at will. Even with that, in its description, it was thought that this creature was indeed an offspring of the famous 1909 Snellygaster. The headline of the Morning Herald of Hagerstown. Is that how you pronounce it, by the way? Hagerstown? Yes, it's Hagerstown. Um, okay. But we call it Hagerstucky around here, but, you know, <laughs> fine. Right on. I can only imagine. In uh, Pax River, we had Smibs, Southern Maryland inbreds. Oh, my God. The headline of the Morning Herald of Hagerstown on December 21st, 1932, read, Death of Snallygaster is reported. Reports differ. It seemed that the thirsty creature wasn't craving blood this evening, and instead was in need of something with a little more of a alcoholic content. This led the monster to Washington County's Frog Hollow, which was a hot spot for moonshiners. Being attracted by a 2,500-gallon moonshine vat, the Snallygaster became inebriated and fell into the mash of the gigantic still. The operation and body of the creature was discovered by Prohibition agents George T. Danforth of the Hagerstown Agency and Deputy Charles E. Cushwa of the Sheriff's Office. Agent Danforth was quoted in the Middletown Valley Register saying, quote, Imagine our feeling when our eyes feasted on the monster submerged in the liquor vat. Yeah, so those guys, I don't have any record of them being real, and I have theories that those were actually men in black. Uh, that went to shut up the moonshiners and then went rogue because they did these interviews and then kind of fell off the face of the earth and then inexplicably used a bunch of dynamite to blow up the moonshine outfit rather than repurpose the metal, which would have been the more reasonable thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I have like a lot of, of weird feelings about that whole part of the story. You know, it doesn't make any sense that you'd see this giant, you know, amazing dragon creature, and they just be like, "Now we're gonna blow it up," and <laughs> and there were all these rewards out for it and everything else. It's just, it's super weird. I feel like there was some kind of cover up that went wrong. It sounds like something the Smithsonian would do. That's where all the men in black come from. Come on, Whoa. Jeff. Jeff, wait a minute. Hold up. <laughs> Say stuff. Uh, well, I was just going to agree about the Smithsonian being full of shit, but then she hit me with the men in black come from the Smithsonian, and part of me feels like that's a joke, and the other part of me is like, wait a minute. No, dude, they <laughs> want to control the narrative. They want to control no, history. Yeah. No, 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 for real. Like, it just it made me think about that, and I was like, okay. Cause, How do you think I'm, they get all those artifacts? I'm under the belief that history is a complete lie, so. I'm right there with you. I'm with it. So. <laughs> Jeff is the host of another podcast that he does on conspiracies, and I can totally tell he's going to do an entire episode on this. Smithsonian Men in Black connection. Do it, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got to dig into it, but that sounds like something up my alley for sure. I wonder if they got, if they took uh, the story of the Snallygaster and loosely turned it into the Jeepers Creepers movie. That's what I was thinking, too, because the every 23 years and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Bad out of hell thing. Well, what was what's that term, Jeff? Where they put stuff in um, predictive programming. Predictive programming. Mm-hmm. So you start talking about this shit, and they start saying that you're an idiot. Just like uh, the ancient aliens theory, where the Flintstones had Kazoo, the little alien that flew around and gave, helped them out with technology. 
so now when you talk about ancient aliens helping out people build, you know, like Stonehenge and Machu Picchu and stuff like that, that you look like an idiot and you're getting that reference from from uh, Flintstones. The Flintstones also had a series of books about the Snallygaster. I saw that on your webpage. It was yep. really awesome. Creeping me out. Hmm. 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 And isn't it weird that the Flintstones are still around, even though their show isn't, but you can still find Flintstone vitamins? Tell me a kid who knows who the fuck the Flintstones are right now. Well, hmm. Isn't there the theory that the Flintstones are actually living on the Earth and it's the same time period as the Jetsons, but like the redistribution of wealth has caused such a massive shift in technology that like all the rich people, like the Jetsons are like Jeff Bezos and then the rest of us would be the Flintstones? So there is a huge theory there. Right. We're going down we're going down a rabbit hole now. But they did that crossover episode between mm-hmm. the Jetsons and the Flintstones, and that that was like the big birth of that. I don't have time to go down that rabbit hole right now. But that that is uh definitely but come a very on back next episode. week and we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about the Flintstones <laughs> and the Jetsons, right? Uh, I love those kinds of theories or like when they say that the uh like Terminator and Matrix is all the same universe, or what was the other one? Uh, Fallout and Skyrim are the same universe. And uh, Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory are the same oh, universe. I've heard yeah. that one. That's my fave. I don't. I can't see how that's tied in though. Oh, you got to go down the rabbit hole. I will. I'm telling you right now. I will. Well, as it turns out, we are uh, great explorers of the rabbit hole. So we we do we do a good job. <laughs> all that fog. So yeah. <laughs> When we're not pogballing, we're exploring the infinite rabbit hole. Our reputation is destroyed with her. She's going to be like, oh, you mean all those pogballers over there? No, Bunch of pogballers. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. In 1837, the first ever major highway was completed and spanned from Vidalia, Illinois to Cumberland, Maryland. During the years after completion of the highway, Cumberland became an area flooded with homeless and criminals on the run. Every person who had a reason to leave from Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky hitched rides along the National Road and settled where the highway ended in Allegheny County, Maryland. The two counties immediately east of the end of the road are, you guessed it, Washington and Frederick Counties, home of the most dense sightings of the Snallygasser. It is due to this reason that many believe that the creature was fabricated by the local governments and press to dissuade those who wish to escape their past from building a new life in the hills and mountains of western Maryland. Another reason many believe that the Snallygaster may have been made up was because the end of the Civil War brought many changes to many areas in the South, and western Maryland was no exception. In fact, Many freed slaves came up through the hills in Maryland and along the National Road to search for new lives in the northern states. Forty-five years removed and forty-five years of people that were none too happy that freed slaves were passing through their towns may have given birth to the Snallygaster as a deterrent for those using the valley in between the hills as paths to a better life. The evidence to back this up comes with the first known victim of the Snallygaster, a black man by the name of Bill Gifferson, was thrown off a hillside to his death, and the sequential headline of the register the day after reads, quote, The colored people are in great danger. 
So that's what I was talking about, how we'll dive a little bit more into that. Um, hope that ties into what you were talking that's about earlier. Up. Yeah, it's very messed up. Like the the black boogeyman, like just a, a threatening way to to keep black people down and in line and stuff, saying like the boogeyman will get you. That's <laughs> that's jacked. It, it yeah, is. it's awful. It, it's an awful part of the history. I, I saw a couple different sources on this. And I was trying to do the math when it came to like historical dates and stuff to find out which one was true. Now I found one that said that they were trying to keep, uh, you know, ex slaves out and that they were trying to keep present slaves in. So, uh, the, the slaves that were in these counties, they were trying to keep them from trying to leave. And they were mm -hmm. saying that any, any slave caught trying to leave would be snatched up by the Snallygaster. And then there were, conflicting reports that were saying no what's actually happening is that um people are are ex-slaves are are coming through the valleys in between the mountains and using them as highways to get to the north and we don't want them in our towns so if you come over here the snail yes will get you so i don't know if it was a mixture of both or if it was one or the other but by do by date alone and when all the slavery should have been abolished, I leaned towards the one where they were trying to keep them away. Uh, so that's why I included that. I, I would say it's a little bit of both because um, you don't, you know, if you're these people, if you want to subjugate people and you want to keep people enslaved, the last thing that you want is the people who you are enslaving to meet people who are making their way to freedom. You know, that's going to be... Right everyone's going to turn on you. You're going to have rebellion. Um, and, and I think it's a little bit of both. And it was, it was a fear tactic that uh, I'm happy to say, I don't believe it worked. I found, um, I have to look it up again, but I found a recording of um, this man telling the story of uh, some enslaved people who were told this lie and um, they actually made it to freedom anyway. So they like escaped fully thinking that this dragon's going to come down and like eat them. And I think that's one of the most like badass heroic things I've ever heard because like in those times, you know, it was totally believable that that was going to happen and to to want your freedom so badly and to do something that brave, it's incredible. Um and because of that really ugly history with the Snallygaster, um I wanted to kind of reclaim it and make it a thing that like could not become a racist dog whistle again. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, if I have this interest in it and I present all this information and, you know, I kind of feel I make myself the person that you go to when you want to talk about it, it's a lot harder for people to co-opt it and turn it into something ugly again, because you're going to have to go through me and all of the cryptid weirdos that, um, you know, have, have come around this community and, and supported this whole movement. So that was like a big pull for me just, you know, seeing the way that memes and media and things like that can get turned into something ugly so quickly. And, right. you know, it was happening even in 1909. So people don't change much. You guys got anything else to add here? Sarah, I agree with the uh, way to kind of I don't know, save the topic from being, uh, being used as a, uh, a tool for evil again. However, it was initially intended with keeping, ex-slaves away or keeping current slaves in 
it's infuriating. <laughs> it's uh it's... truly the way that people over just history in general have treated others is just absolutely disgusting yep. at times. I mean, I'm trying to lead it into something positive and to make the Snallygaster kind of a more progressive icon uh, than he was previously. I think it's kind of cool that there's a 23-year, you know, hatch cycle, incarnation, whatever, because I like to believe, uh, you know, every new Snallygaster learns from the mistakes of the old ones. And, you know, that so our next hatch cycle, I believe, would be like 2024. And that Snallygaster is just going to be like super liberal and awesome. And it's going to be president and like, you know, it's going to be great. So I'm like, we're, you know, he's learning from his mistakes. <laughs> Snally for Prez. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about T.C. Harbaugh. According to Susan Fair's book, Mysteries and Lore of Western Maryland, the author of the original letter claiming to be from a man who witnessed the staunch death of a man by the hand of the Snallygaster went by the name of Thomas Chalmers Harbaugh, a.k.a. T.C. Harbaugh. Harbaugh was an author of over 650 novels spanning from fiction to historical, which most featured his hometown of Middletown, Maryland. As a child, T.C. was moved to Castown, Ohio by his parents, but he always loved Middletown and visited heavily throughout his lifetime. Many of his books were written about the area and one of his best friends was the editor of the Middletown Valley Register. During the time that he sent the letter into many different newspapers in the area, T.C. also spent a healthy amount of time as a contributor for the newspaper. It was just after the first flap of Snallygaster sightings that Harbaugh returned to his beloved Maryland, where he grew old, poor, and sick. And in 1924, he died after being sent back to Ohio to be cared for by his family. Were all of these sightings of the strange creature that flooded the skies of Western Maryland really just delusional residents of the area clinging on to a piece written in the local newspaper by a man who was famous for writing fictional novels? Or was this something that was produced solely by the press and local authorities to keep certain people away from the area? Or was there actually something that came down from New Jersey to temporarily torture a different area for a little while? Or was it something completely different? Maybe something that many believe was created into this world by the collective thoughts and fear of those in the area. What do you guys think? Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm really excited that you said that because I was I'm I muted myself because I was getting too excited. I'm like, because this Nallygaster is a tulpa. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. They they like tapped into the collective unconscious and fears of all these people, and that's why you have the kind of cool folklore native legend dragon and then you have this ugly twisted version that um was out to do bad things so i absolutely love that idea awesome what's a tulpa a tulpa is something that is brought into existence by thought of or by way of powerful thought or uh uh the prayer and and wishfulness of a large group of people CJ would know more about this than I would. That's kind of his thing. I'm not too familiar with tulpas, but basically if enough people believe in it, it it forces itself into existence. Yeah, that's exactly right. Or if there's enough effort put into it. I believe that idea 100%. I'm with that. Real quick, before we get into final thoughts, I just want to touch on two more things. One, 
the Dueo. The Dueo is an upright walking canid with very similar features as the popular Dogman, spotted throughout North America and other lycanthropic type creatures of many other countries around the world. The Dueo is said to be the mortal enemy of the Snallygaster and is said to attack the Snallygaster on sight. With the first tales of the creature dating back to 1944, and the biggest flap of sightings being from 1965, some theorize that the Dueo and Snallygaster are somehow tied together. But that is all we will be talking about in terms of the Dueo tonight. Stay tuned to a future episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole when we dive into the lore of the Dueo and another creature that shares the same geological niche, the Snarly Yow. Anybody have anything else to add, especially you, Sarah, before I start getting into final thoughts? Um, I think we already talked about the Dogman uh, burial mound connection, mm-hmm. but the, the Dueo Snallygaster fighting thing is so weird, and I can't really figure out exactly where it came from because it really just popped up out of nowhere, but it's so cool, and it has spawned some really cool artwork. Um, but my favorite thing that it has spawned is a, a lightly erotic cryptid novel that was emailed to me. Nice. Um, it's so upsetting. Uh, so in the novel, uh, it's like the Snallygaster couple and the Dueo family are like fighting. Um, and I guess the Dueos like went in and ate all the Snallygaster eggs, which is great. You get some world building and then you get like five pages in and just so much explanation about Snallygaster mating. Um, So I'm glad that for everything, you know, of this legend that I got to read that with my eyes and now I can never um, unknow that information. (laughs) Right on. I have a theory and I don't know if this is true or not, but when I was looking for books to read on the Snallygaster, I don't know if this is the one that you're talking about, but I came across a fictional novel by a Stephen Hamling. Do you know mm-hmm. anything about nope, that? Not that one. <laughs> so I don't know how old this this book is. Actually, it says it was publicated in 22. So not, not very old. old. Like new not new. very old. <laughs> um, I was actually going to say maybe maybe this is something that was like a fictional story, maybe included in like a newspaper or something, and people kind of just jumped onto it. It was a newspaper's way of mashing the two legends together and it just kind of stuck i like it i'm gonna be honest with you i mean i'm not local but from the outside thinking that two cryptids are in mortal battle with each other i think that's pretty cool no it's pretty sweet i would rather the snallygaster fight the goat man but like i'll take it they can all just it would be a royal rumble of maryland cryptids oh thunderdome cryptid thunderdome <laughs> which goat man the maryland beltsville goat man the only one oh, that's okay. real Okay, I thought you meant the <laughs> I thought you meant that guy that we have that lives in the next county over that he just runs around with goats. It's crazy. Wait, what? Yeah, the goat man. Like he run he runs around in the field with them? No, he like picks them up and he runs around with them and they're like bah, bah, and he just like he runs at people screaming. He's just That's the goat incredible. Man, you know? So I was just like I was like, what goat man is this guy fighting? Because if he's fighting this one, he's he's definitely losing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chucking goats at people. This guy's it's legit scary. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, Better be good or else this goat man will... Well, whether you're good or bad, he'll come get you. So It doesn't matter what you do, he's going <laughs> to yeah. throw a goat at you. Sarah, you got anything else to add? What did I miss? 
how bad did that fuck up? No, I'm really excited that you guys are going to cover the Snarly Yow because that's another favorite of mine. But honestly, there's not a ton of Dwayo Snally uh, information. Like it was like a few news stories um, spread out, but like there's not a whole lot of like actual folklore around it that I could find. Um, I do like that. Uh, I don't know if you got to see these ones, but there were a few 1932 stories that said uh, the Snallygaster was riding around on a unicycle with like water wings on. Oh, geez, and no. there's some really goofy drawings that I enjoy. Like it got really silly. Um, and then there was a, a UFO sighting flap in 1947 that some people said uh was a snallygaster and some said it was ufo um that i'm still kind of tracking down and hoping maybe some people that were alive during that time can give me like a first-hand account um but you know the snallygaster is really interesting because it does tie in a lot with american history and i think that's what makes it special and that's why i included american in the name of the museum because i feel like it's like a very uniquely american cryptid um that that just has like a lot you know going on the dwayo is it's super cool and i love dogman and everything but um i'm not dedicating like a huge portion of the museum to dwayo stuff unless some new information comes out but it's super rad and um i'm glad you guys are going to do a dwayo snarly yow discussion i'm excited to hear it and maybe we'll have you back on for it i would absolutely love that it's not in the plans yet, but when it happens, I'll reach out for sure. Yeah, I'll send you some creepy pictures. So um, there's actually this chapel built by Madeline Dahlgren, and she was the one that wrote South Mountain Magic. Mm-hmm. She's entombed in it, which I recently learned, and I think that's pretty badass. But there's a sign that's like, beware the snarly yow, and it has some mm-hmm. of the legend on there. And I think that's super cool because it's like right on South Mountain where the um, snarly yow would have been out yapping around and scaring people. Nice. I actually am trying to track down a copy of South Mountain Magic after reading that book that you recommended to me. Yeah, it's a hard one to find, but it's good. Got to find it. So what is it? There are a lot of different ideas when it comes to what the Snallygaster actually is. Some say it's a Thunderbird. A lot of people think it's a Pteranodon left over from the prehistoric ages. Some even claim that it's an unknown creature from Middle-earth that came up through the Earth's crust by South Mountain after an earthquake. Whatever it is, I can't help but notice a trend in this area of the country, with the likes of the Jersey Devil, Mothman, and a few others sporting very similar, but also drastically different descriptions in the same geographical area of the United States. One other creature that I see an alarming similarity to is the Van Meter Visitor of Iowa in 1903. There are those that think the Snallygaster is just a sandhill crane or a different bird of similar stature. And yes, of course, there are a lot of people who believe that it is just folklore and nothing more. My personal opinion is that I sit on the fence on this one. I'm not going to bore you with the details about why I think it might not be real. So I'll dive into why it might be real. And the clue for me are the tentacles. So this detail bothered me. I couldn't find anything that was close to being an avian or mammal that also had tentacles. But what I did find while looking at birds were chickens. If you believe that dinosaurs were in fact real, don't worry Jeff, we know you don't, then you should also know 
that we have minimal knowledge of what they actually looked like. What we do know by genetic testing and comparing bone structures to other avians is that the reptilian-esque dinosaurs were also very closely related to birds. Could dinosaurs have had what chickens and roosters have on their faces, chins, and foreheads? You know what I'm talking about. That red thing. Well, that red thing is what's called a waddle. And I'll tell you one thing. If I didn't know what a waddle was, I sure might think it were tentacles if attached to a pteranodon-type animal flying around in the sky. So here's my point of view on the matter. If this is real, and I think there's a really good chance it was, I think it could have been a pterodon-like creature sporting a fat waddle that many claim to be tentacles growing out of its mouth, chin, and or top of its head. What do you think? I absolutely love that theory. I actually posted... Um reposted something my friend sent me it was like a bird with one of those waddles that went kind of around its beak and it looks like tentacles and i you know obviously the dinosaurs becoming birds thing is awesome um so i think that's a super cool one i um have a whole part in the museum and and that i'm going to be doing at van meter visitor fest hopefully about um nice. pteranodons still being around and flying cryptids being you know kind of related to them and then, you know, there's a, um, a few photos, uh, so one that's like the Civil War soldiers with the dead pteranodon, and then there's the one that was like a recreation of the guys holding the big one that some people say is a Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. It's from like the Wild West days or whatever. Um, so I think that's really a pretty valid theory, especially given that South Mountain is uh, the second oldest mountain range in the world. You know, it's part of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I think the only mountain range older than that is in Africa. So it's plausible to me that a dinosaur could have somehow lived in the depths of the earth and come out through the mountain. Um, I think I would believe that sooner than I would believe it was uh, riding a unicycle with water wings on. So No, hold on. <laughs> it's pretty believable. I agree. Good. Yeah, I think that it could be absolutely a pterodon or some other type of flying reptile that had that loose, flappy skin all over its face that, you know... Why not? I wanted to say, I was just looking at pictures of vultures, because I wanted to say that there was a type of vulture that had this, like, had its own vulture kind of a waddle, but it was more like a long, stringy flap of skin hanging off just above its beak. But I couldn't find any pictures, and I was just like, I wonder what type of bird that was if it wasn't a vulture. But I can totally get behind that, because I agree. You know, I, I agree that I personally think that dinosaurs existed, um, but that they probably didn't look quite as menacing as we're led to believe that they are. Because even paleontologists can't really all come together on what dinosaurs actually look like if all the bones are lined up the way they're supposed to be and stuff. And so it's just like, yeah, why not? You know, and plus, you know, all we have is bones. We don't have skin, right? So if they had some giant, like, gnarly growths all over their faces and stuff, we would have no idea because of, you know... Who knows? Maybe all the dinosaurs died out because of skin disease. We have no idea because all we have is bones, right? So I think that that's a a pretty valid argument, and I, you know, can get behind, especially once we get into the whole uh, pterodactyl still being alive and stuff. I can definitely get behind something like that existing somewhere or having existed at some point, you know, recently in the last couple hundred years. Um, maybe not right now 
But I did have a question. Is there any known or I want to say more valid sightings of the Snallygaster in recent times besides just things that came around during the end of the Civil War and then the early 1900s? No, um, there really haven't been. I, there was a 1947 like UFO Snallygaster right. thing, but uh, like a lot of cryptids, once you get modern technology involved and the ability to photograph it or videotape it, it suddenly doesn't appear anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wish that there was. I would be so excited, but no, sadly, uh, no modern Snally sightings. But like I said, you know, two more years and we've got the egg hatching, so you never know. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's and that's fair because, I mean, like, there's still uh, probably pull up a Loch Ness Monster sighting from yesterday, but there's no pictures. There's no videos, obviously, but it's just uh, I don't know. I don't know. don't know how, how much I want to pour into this one, knowing that we're going to be talking about pterodactyls and I don't want to repeat the same information. But I think that there's a possibility that it could exist but certainly not in the way it was described exactly. Like, I don't think there was, like, octopus tentacles out coming out of its mouth and stuff and breathing fire and wearing water ring- wings while riding yeah. motorcycles. <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a lot of people that claim, you know, maybe it had a snake in its mouth or, hey, it was building a nest with or a n- number of many different mm-hmm. things. People just saw it, you know, and they saw the silhouette of it from a distance and was like, those were tentacles hanging out of its face. Such a weird thing to say, though. Like, how many people knew what, like, an octopus looked like at the time to say those yeah, were tentacles? I mean, I mean, they're not far from the shore right there, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's why I kind of stopped myself. I'm just like, well, a lot of people got here on boats. Well, Western Maryland, <laughs> though, it's pretty unlikely that you would have had a lot of octopus going on. It's pretty far. Uh, from the coast. So I, the octopus theory is a little strange to me. Um, I think the waddle theory is a lot more valid. Have you heard that? Because I honestly, I thought I was bringing something new to the table. No, I've heard this thing. Oh, well, it maybe it scooped up an octopus and it was like flying around with it. And I'm like, come on, guys. <clears throat> no. It just holds. This is my favorite octopus. I'm not letting it go. Yeah, it's like, this is my, <laughs> my new baby octopus. Sorry. <laughs> so, Sarah... The listeners heard Jake and I's point of view. Nobody gives a flying fuck about what we think. It's true. We're just pogs. Right. <laughs> They're here for you. What What is your honest opinion about the Snallygaster? What it could be? Was it real? Where do you sit? Uh, so I don't like to have an opinion one way or the other. I like to entertain every idea about it because... For me, uh, this is not really trying to prove whether or not a cryptid is real. It's more uh, a study of folklore and culture uh, and mythology and kind of where these things all come together to make these fantastic stories. So it's really more of like a lifelong study thing for me than a, you know, I have a definite opinion one way or the other. And that's what makes the museum kind of exciting is that like I might get a new piece of information and some you know, suddenly something changes, mm-hmm. but it's more, you know, just chronicling it and studying it and everything. Awesome. Was there anything that we missed that you can expand upon or add to? Um, my brain is so fried because I am coming off a 12 hour shift in the ER. So I'm sure there is, and I'm sure I'll wake up at like three in the morning and remember it. But uh, as of right now, I cannot think of anything. No problem. Totally understand. So before we go ahead and sign out, do you mind hitting everybody else one more time with 
everywhere that they can find you and in the American Snelly Gaster Museum? Sure. So Instagram is um, at American Snelly Gaster Museum. My website is snallygastermuseum.com. You can email me at snallygastermuseum at gmail.com. Uh, if you could just limit the cryptid erotica to one story, I would appreciate it. Uh, and then as far as uh, we're, we're experiencing a lot of delays with actually opening our physical location, which is a bummer. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, two years is not that long to have been working on it. So for right now, we're going to be events only. We'll be at um, Jersey Devil Fable Fest, May 7th, and then Whiteville UFO Fest in Virginia, um june 7th i believe i think it's like exactly a month apart yeah <laughs> so we'll be out and about um i bring a lot of cool pieces of art and um you know some weird hard to find newspaper articles and books and stuff like that so it's always kind of fun to show people all that weird stuff and and talk about weird cryptids with them there's only two hours away from me oh you should totally come out i'll show you my copy of south mountain magic it's really old and it rules Whiteville, huh? Mm -hmm. You said in June? Yeah, Whiteville UFO. Let me look at my calendar. I know it's like the first week of June. I'm already booked to go to the Bigfoot conference in June. I just don't know what the, I think it's the 16th. Yeah, I don't think it's the... Uh, when is Whiteville? Either I don't ways. know. It's sometime. <laughs> let's let's get you out of here. We can we can chat You know, sometime else. I, I want to get you to sleep. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Sure yeah. <clears throat> All right. So for those listening, of course, I'm going to send Sarah an invite to the Infinite Rabbit Hole group on Facebook. As you heard, she is not a uh, a big Facebooker. She's more on Instagram. Feel free to, to follow her journey there. Um, if she doesn't accept it, that's on her. You have to send your hate <laughs> mail to her. But I know that the, the listeners of our podcast are very active on our Facebook group and they love having Asher's there. There's a lot of people that are that are joined and, and they love it. So Sarah, uh, you know, you're going to get one little piece of uh, spam from us and that's just going to be a Facebook invite to the group. But other than that, uh, I really, really am going to say thank you for coming on to here, especially after a long shift and a, and a grueling job. Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. And uh, whenever we're going to do Snarly Out, you just let me know. I'll, I'll come back and hopefully it won't be after work and I'll be uh, much more refreshed and have my wits about me. Well, I really do appreciate you coming on. Uh, I look forward to seeing your, your journey and seeing the, the Snarly Gaster Museum grow. And when that thing does physically open, uh, I'm going to take the wife and the kids up there to come see you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff for the kids. So I'm excited to uh, see you guys. And then send me the link to the the store so that when we post this episode, we can post a link a couple of days later to the merch store. So if anybody wants to get some Snallygaster swag, they have swag. that option. Swag. Oh, yeah, I definitely will. Um, the Star Cruiser Studio shirt is my favorite one, so uh, I'll be pushing that one pretty hard. Awesome. Me too, because I'm probably going to snag that myself. Yeah, you totally should. Real quick, the sources that I used for today's episode was Mysteries and Lore of Maryland by Susan Fair, Chasing American Monsters by Jason Offowit, Cryptid Creatures by Milner Halls, 
I'd like to extend a special thank you to Sarah Cooper for joining us on this episode, and I also want to say thank you to everybody who took a chance to listen to this episode today. Please check out the rest of our catalog at infiniterabbithole.com. Head on over to Facebook, search for our group and our page. You can go to facebook.com forward slash infiniterabbithole for our page. It has the white logo, and if you just search for Infinite Rabbit Hole on Facebook and find our page, group with the black logo that'll get you into the conversation with everyone else and uh we'll see you next week when we dive into the world of aaron deese he is a writer for the paranormality magazine he is also the host of the hey strangers podcast and strange conversations until next time travelers we'll see you at the next path of the infinite rabbit hole Thank you.